welcome, welcome, welcome. We are back for another episode of the Puck House Podcast World Juniors special episode. We are back after a couple weeks hiatus. Uh, quite a lot of things happened. Uh, I was sick one week. I actually really wanted to get an episode out before Christmas there, the week of the 22nd. I was hoping to get an episode out, but I was sick all week there. Um, and then Christmas happened and then I was actually in Seattle and I caught a Seattle Kraken game last week. So I'm actually going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about my experience at the Seattle Kraken game. But for the most part, this is a world junior recap, world juniors special episode. Most of the things we're talking about world juniors oriented today on this episode so yeah we're gonna recap the world juniors uh, i'm gonna actually share too my experience at the world juniors i have been to the world juniors before in the past i'm going to talk about my experience what it's like going to the games at the world juniors providing you kind of a recap of what happened in that tournament that year and just giving kind of a fan fan perspective of that tournament going to the games and whatnot i'm going to talk about two i'm going to present a case for two cities to host the world genes we're also going to speculate on some future host sites for the world juniors yeah we're going to talk about all this and more on this world juniors special recap episode of the puck house podcast all right now we're gonna move into the roundup and this is basically what we're doing this roundup basically a world juniors roundup because like i said this episode's pretty much gonna be world juniors recap world juniors special i guess so to speak but i do want to talk about two other things uh, i'm going to touch on two other things in the nhl uh, the World Juniors, though, started on Boxing Day right after Christmas. Hope everyone, by the way, had a great, great holidays, uh, Christmas. Hope that was good for you, for you all listening. Um, but yeah, Boxing Day, the World Juniors kicked off. Um, I'll focus on a couple games. I won't go through all the games, but Boxing Day, Canada-Finland was kind of the big game there. Canada taking on Finland, and Canada got off to a good start in the tournament, winning 5-2 to two there. I also want to highlight Sweden beat Latvia 6 to nothing. Sweden being, being the host country. U.S. beat Norway 4-1, to one, which actually surprised me. I thought U.S. was going to blow Norway out, but Norway held their own against a very strong U.S. team. Uh, the second day competition on the 27th, Canada beat Latvia 10 to nothing. Uh, Czechia, the big 8-1 victory over Norway. And then this was the game. I did not expect this to happen. Germany pulls off an upset against Finland and wins 4-3. to uh, Finland was up, yeah, it was 1-1. One, one, oh, wait, no. This was second period. Never mind. Uh, second period. Second period. There are five goals in that second period. 
Finland had a 3-2 lead early in this in the second period. Germany scored two goals mid-second period in a minute and 30 seconds to give them the 4-3 lead. And Germany held on and all of a sudden Finland was 0-2, which was like yeah, Germany with the upset of the tournament. I think that was the that was probably the biggest upset of the tournament. Uh, December twenty eighth, day three, lighter day, only two games. Uh, U.S. beat Switzerland eleven to three. U.S. such a dominant team, uh, and Sweden beat Germany five to nothing. The host country uh, goes two and zero to start the tournament. And then day four, and the big game of the day was Sweden and Canada. So, this was where things got, because Sweden beat Canada two to nothing. And so now Sweden is going to win the group, going to win group A. So Sweden, yeah, they, they clinched first in the group. Canada is going to finish second. Um, yeah, and we'll have to see, it was kind of, we'll have to see who, who they're going to have to face. That still has to be determined, but that was set, I believe, after that game. Um, looking here as well, U.S. and Czechia went to overtime. Um, Czechia was actually up three to two at one point there in the second period. Uh, but then U.S. was able to... Oh, wait, no, they went to a shootout. Sorry, they went to a shootout. Never mind. And it was a seven-round shootout, and U.S. pulls it out. Isaac Howard scoring the shootout winner for the United States. And on day five, there was Switzerland beat Norway 6-2, to two, and Latvia beat Germany 6-2. to two. This Latvia-Germany game was one I was not really expecting because i mean germany had beaten had beaten uh, finland and latvia i don't believe they they had scored going into this game and then they pull out a big six to two win and all of a sudden they might be off to the quarterfinals barring a if germany gets a point though against canada on new year's eve then Latvia will go to the relegation, which, by the way, they did one game, one game relegation, which I really, I'm a big fan of only having the one game relegation. And so we'll talk more about that. Um, then New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve, there was two big games I found. There was Germany and Canada, and Canada won 6-3. to three. But here's the thing. It was... It was 3-3 at one point there in the third period. Canada should have, like, they weren't really, I don't know. It was it was bizarre to me watching the game. But Canada was able to pull it out there. And, you know, like, after watching that game, I just, I didn't feel as confident in that Canada team as we moved into the quarterfinals. And I was wondering, how are they going to fare against Czechia, who we learned they were going to be facing. Um, so, yeah. Finland-Sweden was the other big game. Big rivalry game there. And Finland uh, won 5-4 to four in the shootout. 
Uh, great back and forth game. Finland scored two in the first period and Sweden tied it up. Sweden took the lead four to three. Finland tied it late in the third period and then Finland won it in in a shootout. But that I don't think that affect that did not affect the results of the group at all. Sweden still clinched top of Group A, um, and they would face Slovakia in the quarter. Wait, no, no, sorry, Switzerland. Sorry, I was looking at fin fin Sweden facing Switzerland in the quarterfinals. Uh, but the big quarterfinal game everyone was talking about was Czechia and Canada. Czechia jumped out to an early 2 to nothing lead in the first period before Matthew Wood and Jake Furlong equalized for Canada. Um, and then we're getting down into the third period. Final few minutes of, of the game. You know, getting down to two minutes, getting down to the final minute. And with 11 seconds left, the puck, the Czechia player, uh, Stancil, Jakob Stancil, I believe. I hope I'm saying that right. Shoots it, and it hits Matthew Portois' stick and goes off Oliver Bonk as well. Which, funny enough, Oliver Bonk, his dad used to play it. His family has Czech connections. His father, I believe. I, his father, I believe, is from Czechia, I believe. But, so I guess he has dual citizenship. But, was born in Canada, plays for Canada. And it, in the unlucky, unlucky break, and it finds its way in the net with 11 seconds left and Canada eliminated from the quarterfinals. They will not win a medal for the first time since 2019. Um, and yeah, it was just like unbelievable. The unluckiest break with 11 seconds left. And I gotta, I gotta, I gotta talk here because just the backlash on social media. They go through this. Every time, like, 2019 was the exact same thing. The Maxime Comtois missed penalty shot. It, it's it's ridiculous. I, I gotta say, I gotta say right now, it, it's absolutely ridiculous. The backlash on Minton, the coaches, um, like, Oliver Bonk, he had to, Oliver Bonk had to private his social media because getting so much, you know, hate from, all these people on social media and everyone's talking about, Oh, this is a sign of things to come for Canada. And then, and I mean, the media too was doing that. I was an, I'm not going to say who it was who put this out, but it was like Canada's, you know, flame out in the quarterfinals, a blip or a sign of things to come. And I'm just like, are you seriously forgetting that Canada won the last two gold medals. Are you forgetting about the dominant performance by Canada in 2023? Are you forgetting the fact that Bedard, Fantilli, Korchinski, and Benson all could have been in this World Juniors? They're not in this tournament. You know why? They're playing in the NHL. 
They're playing in the NHL. That is why they're not in this tournament. But they could be in this tournament. So to say a sign of things to come is absolutely ridiculous. And just, you know what? It just was not Canada's year. It, it was just not Canada's year. We weren't able to put put on the ice our strongest group of guys. Because those four guys, I said, Bedard, Fantilli, Korchinski, and Benson, they, they could have been back on this team. But no, because they were playing in the NHL. So, like, just, I got to say, it's ridiculous. Um, you know, just all the hatred, all the cyberbullying on, online going to these. You got to, these, these are kids. These are kids. 18, 19-year-old kids. Okay? Like, just, it's, it's ridiculous. I got to say. Like, I, I got to say, it is absolutely ridiculous. The same thing happened 2019. Maxime Comtois was cyberbullied like crazy, I remember, after his missed penalty shot, the 2019 World Juniors. And then Finland went on to win that quarterfinal matchup, which I'm actually, I'm actually going to talk about that a little later on in this episode. But yeah, just, yeah. Absolutely ridiculous, all the bullying online towards these 18, 19-year-old kids. Let's move on to a little bit more of a positive note. Uh, Finland, Slovakia, in uh, this game actually went to overtime. Um, yeah, it was a close game, 2-2, and with a minute 34 left... Uh, Finland took a 3-2 lead, but then 50 seconds later, 44 seconds left on the clock, Philip Mesar ties the game for Slovakia, and we are headed to overtime. And in overtime, Finland gets the OT winner, and they advance to the semifinals. I also touch on U.S. dominated, beat Latvia 7-2, and Sweden, Switzerland in the quarterfinals, uh, Sweden was up two to nothing. Okay, Switzerland makes it two one, and then in the third period, Switzerland tied it up at two two, and we are headed to overtime. And you know what? If you're a Swedish fan, in that because yeah, remember it's in Sweden. Sweden has suffered so much heartbreak in this tournament, year after year after year and if they lose to switzerland here it could be a devastating loss it could be a devastating devastating loss but in overtime it's axel sandine palika on the power play scoring the ot winner and i do gotta talk about one thing that happened late in the third period actually i i don't remember which swiss player this was but he sort of like I'm trying to word it right. He kind of tapped uh, the, the Swedish player with his stick after the whistle, and they called it a major for spearing. And that has got to be – they initially called it a major. They initially called it – then they called it – they brought it down to a minor. But still, to call it a minor penalty is absolutely ridiculous. Like, it was literally just like a little – like, it wasn't – 
anything. It wasn't anything. It was probably the one of the worst calls I, I've ever seen. And, and late in the third period like that, thank goodness there, Sweden did not score on that power play. But terrible, like terrible, terrible call. But if you if you want to see it, you could probably look it up for yourself because it's hard to it's hard to describe here. But yeah, it was just like oh my, like it was terrible, terrible call. But Sweden wins it in overtime, and we move on to the semifinals. And by the way, also we got to talk about the relegation round. So this year it's one game, one game showdown, and it was a great game between Germany. And Norway a back and forth game uh, going into the third period it was tied up 2-2 Germany makes it 4-2 mid third period but then Norway comes back to tie it up at 4-4 and we are going to overtime Wh whoever scores next is gonna stay for the 2025 World Juniors and the loser is relegated uh, to Division 1A, I believe it's called. So, yeah. So, basically, yeah. So much on the line. So much to play for. And Germany gets the OT winner. So, they will stay for the 2025 World Juniors. And Norway is relegated. They can next play in the World Juniors. If they get promoted next year, they can play in the World Juniors again in 2026. Uh, semifinals, uh, Sweden and Czechia was the one semifinal. Sweden won 5-2 to two in that game. And in the other semifinal, Finland took a 2-0 lead early in the first period. USA uh, rallied back, tied it up at 2-2, and with 3.13 to go on the power play, it's Cutter Gauthier making it 3-2 for USA. And USA will advance to the gold medal game to play the host country, Sweden. And Czechia and Finland will meet in the bronze medal game. And I got it. The bronze medal game was just absolutely incredible. Uh, it was 2-2 mid-second period. And that's when things change. In about six minutes, Finland scores three goals. And it's 5-2 late second period. Uh, yeah, so if under a minute to go in the second period, it is currently 5-2 Finland. Uh, Shorthanded goal, 55 seconds left in the second period. Andre Becker makes it 5-3. So, okay, down by two. Yuri Kulic with 15-19 left in the third period makes it 5-4. Now we're getting late. Final two minutes. Goalie is pulled. And Andre Becker ties it up for Czechia. It is 5-5. They've come back from 5-2 to tie it up. But then, just 15 seconds later, Thomas Hamera for Czechia scores to make it 6-5 for Czechia. And then Czechia would add an empty netter um, at 18-52. And then they'd score another empty netter just two seconds later. Czechia scored four goals in 50 seconds. The fastest four goals in World Juniors history. They scored six unanswered goals. Unbelievable. Finland was stunned. Just an epic, epic collapse there by Finland. Up 5-2 to two late second period. 
and Czechia wins the bronze medal. And then it was the gold medal game. USA, uh, who definitely, USA played, played the villains all tournament, and they talked about how they wanted revenge from the 2022 U18s, which Sweden won, uh, up against the host nation, Sweden. Uh, and the Swedish crowd was really into it. Uh, but Gay Pro silenced the crowd late in the first period. USA leads one to nothing. Otto Stenberg, though, early in the second, was able to tie it up, get the crowd back in it. But then USA two goals by Isaac Howard mid-second period, and USA is up three to one. This is where I thought there might this might be the turning point here. With five seconds left in the second period on the power play, it's Jonathan Leckermacki making it three two now. Sweden just needs one more goal. Except then early in the third period, US makes it four to two. And U.S. did not look back, adding there was a goal by Ryan Leonard with uh, under four minutes to goal. And then there would be an empty netter to make it 6-2. to two. U.S. wins the gold medal at the World Juniors. U.S. just, I got to admit, U.S. had an incredible team this year. They were the best team all tournament. They deserve to be, be the gold medalist. At the, at the end of the day, this U.S. team was a dominant team, uh, the best team all tournament. They deserved to win the gold medal. They played, they played the role of the villain, and they played it well. And U.S. is the gold medalist at the 2024 World Juniors. It, overall, it was a great tournament. Not a great tournament if, if you're uh, Canada, but... Great tournament overall, some great games, some thrilling upsets. This is why you love. You got you gotta love the World Juniors. I uh, always enjoy watching it every year around the holidays. And next year should be a good one. They have the group set. I believe Canada and USA are gonna be in the same group. Canada, USA, and Finland, I believe. I believe, yeah. I believe it's Canada, Finland, USA, Latvia, and Germany, I want to say, in the, in the main group, Group A. So you got to think, Canada, USA, New Year's Eve, that is going to be a good one. That is going to be a good game for sure. But yeah, so that concludes another World Juniors. Um, yeah, next year it is in Ottawa. It should be a great tournament. In Canada, it is going to be epic. Canadian Tire Center, I'm sure, is going to be jumping. Uh, 2009 was the last time it was hosted in Ottawa. One of the best tournaments. One of the best World Juniors tournaments. That was the year. The incredible New Year's Eve game between Canada and USA. John Tavares got a hat trick. And then the semifinals, uh, Canada, Russia... Jordan Everly's goal with five seconds left to keep the drive for five alive. Canada won the gold medal that year. We would be so lucky to see a tournament as great as 2009 next year in 2025. Uh, before we wrap up this roundup, I do also want to talk about the NHL Winter Classic was this past week. 
between the Seattle Kraken and the Vegas Golden Knights at T-Mobile Park, home of the Seattle Mariners. Uh, and Seattle, Seattle was, yeah, Seattle ended up winning that game three to nothing. Uh, this year was the lowest viewed winter classic ever. It was lowest viewed winter classic on TV ever. And I mean, it's tough because I mean, already coming in, there was a lot of like, cause Seattle and Vegas, two teams with not a lot, with not any sort of history really um which so that made it tough right from the beginning and there's already like you could see too if you look at the because there was a graph too of like viewership for the winter classics in the past you could see a significant drop when it went to nhl on tnt because you got to keep my nbc is something that everyone gets i guess TNT, not everybody has, so you could see, like, it drop, and combined with the fact, too, that Seattle and Vegas don't have any sort of history, really, that, you know, I think that definitely contributed to it, but it's too bad, because it was a good game, it's always a good good event uh, to watch, uh, Ellie Tolvanen opened the scoring for Seattle, uh, in the first period there, Will Bor- Borgen made it 2 nothing early in the second. Yanni Gord kind of kind of put the dagger on it uh, to make it 3 nothing early in the third period. Um, yeah, 3 nothing. Joey Decord records the first ever shutout in Winter Classic history. So that was quite, yeah, it was a good game. Um, there was one, there was quite a pretty funny interaction to Paul Busy and Busy Annette and Bowie, the Seattle Kraken mascot. Paul Bizonette laid this huge, you know, hit on, on Bowie, Bowie, I believe. Yeah. Oh, it was, it was pretty funny. I got to admit it was pretty funny, but no, it was, yeah, good event. I also want to touch on because this actually just happened today. Connor Bedard. Connor Bedard last night went down with an injury. He left the game, and they have just said today that he is on he is on the injured reserve with a fractured jaw, I believe. So that is a tough blow for Chicago and Connor Bedard. We're not sure right now how long Bedard is going to be out. Hopefully, he's not going to be out for long because. You know, I mean, he's, you know, he's a big, you know, he's a big draw to the games in Chicago, and he's a big draw on the road as well. So, I mean, we'll have to see. Next week, I'll probably talk a little bit more about Connor Bedard's injury, the extent of the injury, how long is he going to be out, how that might affect the Calder race. Uh, We'll talk all about that next week. But, But, yeah, that concludes... The Roundup. All right. So I mentioned at the top of the show that I attended a Seattle Kraken game last week. Exactly last Friday. So literally exactly a week ago today, I was at the Seattle Kraken game. So 
Uh, I am going to be sharing with you today my experience at the Seattle Kraken game, the first and probably only Puck House Live game I am calling it. So I'm going to tell you about the game. I'm going to tell you about to the arena in Seattle too. First of all, very nice arena in Seattle. It is incredible, modern, state-of-the-art arena. I love what they've done to the arena. They remodeled it basically, basically like remodeled the whole thing about five years ago when they learned they were getting an NHL team. They remodeled that whole arena. It is a nice, nice arena. Like... You got the two giant, instead of one scoreboard, you got the two giant scoreboards, which was really cool. Um, yeah, you walk in. The one thing, yeah, if you know, you got to know kind of where you're going, like where your seats, because you get into the arena and everything is like, you got to go down. Like everything is, everything is like below, below. So like you're basically at the top and you got to get to the, you got to go down, you know, an escalator to, to get to your seat. But you know what? Very nice, very nice arena. Uh, I saw the Seattle Kraken, like their team, like they have a bunch of little pop-up stores and whatnot. They had a big team store, but it, there was a huge line, huge line at the team store there, which was pretty, yeah, it was like, so, you know, didn't go, didn't go into there. Cause it was like, it just to get into it, into it, we would have been waiting forever. So yeah, skip the team store, but yeah, there was a lot of buzz in the arena because this was the Kraken's final home game before the winter classic, which was played on the Monday afterwards. So yeah, I got to, and part of what they had too, they had, they gave everyone, every single fan in attendance that night, these winter classic gloves, because the whole idea was, oh, keeping you, keeping you warm for the winter classic on Monday, so I mean, wasn't, wasn't at the winter classic, but I mean, it, it the, they're nice gloves, you know, so it was kind of cool to, it was kind of cool to receive that. Uh, got, got there really early. Uh, yeah, watched warm up. It was already yeah. Get there early, I would say. Get there early to the rink, you know, so you can kind of find find out where you're going. You can explore a little bit if you want. Um, and then get get to your seat. Got to got to the seat pretty pretty quickly, pretty early. Uh, watched warm ups, and so it was a game. The game was between the Seattle Kraken. And the Philadelphia Flyers. Philadelphia Flyers, they had just beaten Vancouver the previous night coming in. So they, they were playing back-to-back -back night. So I anticipated the Kraken were going to kind of come out. They were going to show kind of, you know, they, they had the night off. They had the night off last night compared to Philadelphia. So I, I thought the Kraken were going to come out hard out of the gate. Uh, yeah, the atmosphere in the arena was was crazy. I was surprised how I thought for 
the game right before the Winter Classic. I thought there might not be as much energy in the arena, you know, not as, you know, maybe some people w won't go to the game, you know, because you got the Winter Classic coming up on Monday. No, packed. It was sold out. It was, yeah, it was a great, there was not an empty seat in that arena. So that was, that was awesome to see. Um, so yeah, game starts and early on, it's pretty back and forth between the Flyers and the Kraken. Early on though, the Kraken, they had to, they needed to limit their turnovers. They were, they made a couple costly turnovers and then it came to bite them uh, in the first period the kraken got a power play so this was a big chance to open the scoring for them and on that power play gave turned the puck over and oh i'm trying to think connectney connectney i think it was travis connectney went in on a breakaway and connectney put it home and Philadelphia took the lead 1-0. They scored shorthanded there. So Philadelphia was up 1-0. Not a good start for the Kraken. And honestly, as the first period progressed, the Kraken, I'm not going to lie, their play was kind of sloppy. I'm not going to lie. It did not, Philadelphia came out, came out hard. I wouldn't if I I would have guessed honestly that the Flyers had the night off based off how the game was being played. The Flyers were yeah, it's just the crack like some of the passes they were making weren't the Kraken weren't shooting the puck enough, I found. They're passing it around. Uh first period and the first period it was one nothing Flyers. And as the second period progressed, I was hoping to see more out of the Kraken. And can still some of this like sloppy play as we got though to the end of the second, the Kraken started shooting the puck more, testing Carter Hart in net though. Um, but as we got to the end of the second, it was one nothing Flyers still. And you know what? I mean that the anticipation in the arena is building for that Kraken goal. And I, I as we got into the third period, I was quite nervous because. I was like, if if it ends up being like one, if the Kraken don't score, that would be that would be disappointing to to go watch the game and then not have the Kraken get shut out by uh, Carter Hart. Carter Hart, former Everett Silver Tip, and you know what? We've seen that before. Carter Hart shut the door um, numerous times in juniors. I I still remember watching him when he was you know. 18, 19 years old, you know, when he was playing in Everett, and it's just like, this guy's gonna be an absolute stud. And it was always, it was always a great, great game when he came to Kamloops, because it was Hart versus Ingram. It was the two world junior goalies, and it was, oh, it, you never had a game of Carter Hart and Net where it was like 5-4 or 5-3 or 6-4. Like, it was never... I, I've never seen a game with Carter Hart where, you know, he's letting the touch. It was always, whenever Carter Hart was in net, it was always like a 2-1 game or something like that. Or 3-1. Like, like, these low-scoring contests. one nothing even. 2 nothing, Things like that. And so, I was quite nervous going into the third period. Philly's up one nothing, And, yeah, 
is Seattle going to be able to tie it up? Philadelphia, I mean, I've talked about Seattle had quite a few good chances. Starting to get near the end of the second, they started to get some chances. But it was Joey Decord, the Seattle Kraken goalie, who really kept them in it. Joey Decord, I, I saw him too play at the Winter Classic, and I mean... I mean, we talked about it, his shutout at the Winter Classic. So, I mean, that didn't surprise me to wa watch him get the shutout because he has been playing some stellar, stellar hockey. And, you know, I saw it on display at the game I was at. He made some great saves. He made a great pad save. I'm trying to, I forget who, who it was, but it was a great, great save. Uh, passed the puck over across the crease and he... Stuck his pad out, made a great save there. So Joey Decord has really kept the Kraken in this game. It could have been 2-0 Flyers, 3-0 Flyers. And, you know, it would have been really hard for the Kraken to bounce back from that. But it's only one goal. As we got into the early third period, the Kraken's play, Kraken played quite a bit better, I found. Kraken... Kraken were stepping it up. They were getting quite a few good chances. Um, you, f you felt that goal was coming. And then Philadelphia took a penalty. This was, this was the chance for the Kraken to tie the game up. Th this was their moment. And Vince Dunn, point shot, ties the game up 1-1, finds his way past Carter Hart. It was it, like it was it was a relief because we were starting to get mid third period, so it was such a relief to have that goal go in because like okay got to see the Kraken, Kraken score, um, yeah it was, you know the crowd roared it was oh it was it was a great great experience, um, yeah and then late in the third Seattle got a penalty I didn't. I did not see the penalty, and here's the thing. I'm going to say this. It's here's the one thing that I found really bizarre about, um, like, I'm trying to, yeah, the presentation team, I guess you'd say. They do not show many replays of plays that happened. That, that's what I found. They showed, they showed a lot of, like, the fans, but, like, certain plays you might want to see again on the big screen. Didn't have that. I would have really liked to have a look at what the penalty was late in the third, but I, I had no idea what the penalty was because they they never showed it up on the big screen. But it was it was a controversial penalty because fa Seattle fans were booing, so it was kind of I saw I saw a Philly guy go down in front of the net, but I didn't really see anything. I didn't really see what really happened there. But Seattle took a penalty. So that's the one thing I'm going to say. I wish they had on certain plays, you know, I wish the they gave us a look on the big screen. The I don't know what kind of team exactly. I, I can't think of it right now. But replay team, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. But point is, yeah, I wish they had. Yeah, I wish they showed more of those kind of plays on the big screen. That's, that's the one kind of criticism I have but no and then Seattle huge penalty kill huge penalty kill late in the third period there 
time is winding down and we are going to overtime overtime uh at the kraken flyers game uh it was it was pretty exciting then overtime started Phil philadelphia actually had a pretty decent chance right at the start of overtime there and then the kraken you, you i i kind of as overtime was progressing you could feel that i i felt like the kraken were gonna win it there in overtime you just have this you just have this feeling you, you go to so many games yeah you, you have a feeling one's one's getting by heart here and it wasn't really I, I i saw the goal i actually have the goal on video because Kraken kind of came in on a two-on-one or three-on-two. I'm trying to think. But anyways, an odd man rush. It was Oliver, Oliver Bjorkstrand, former Portland Winterhawk. He kind of comes in. He was actually playing his 500th NHL game that night, by the way. Interesting little, interesting little tidbit. Uh, he kind of comes in. And he 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 was he kind of waited for too long to do anything with the puck, and he couldn't really get a chance out of it. Then I'm trying to think who it was who was it like it kind of they played it around that zone. So I started filming for like the three on two because I I I thought that had a chance of going in, and I think the puck found its way back to Bjorkstrand, and he passed it over. I didn't expect this to go in. Passed it over to Justin Schultz. And Justin Schultz puts it five hole right through Carter Hart. I did not see. I saw the puck kind of hit Schultz's stick. But I had no idea he even went for like a tip to try to tip it in. I wasn't expecting that. All of a sudden I see the lights go off in the back. Crowd cheering. Crowd roaring. Kraken win in overtime. Oh, it was it was epic. It was it was an awesome awesome game. Great great energy. Great fans in Seattle. I gotta say, and just a great great overall experience. I would highly recommend, highly recommend going to a Seattle Kraken game. We got great fans there. Great passionate hockey fans. There is yeah they've only been there for a couple years, but. Seattle's a hockey town. Seattle is a hockey town. They they love their hockey. And I mean, you can also see it too, evidence of that with the Seattle Thunderbirds. They have some they have some pretty passionate fans down there in Kent. Uh, not not quite Seattle, but it's like just just south of Seattle. Pretty pretty much Seattle though. Pretty close to Seattle there. Yeah, they got they got some pa passionate hockey fans there in Seattle show up every night so it, it's great so yeah highly recommend checking out Seattle Kraken game and I gotta say the arena the arena is a great arena love what they've done with the arena now and I, I'm telling you um I mean a big reason too why I'm going to talk about too they they need an NBA team too they need it they need their NBA team back I think that was a big reason why they left was because of their arena. They have the arena now. They have the arena now. Get 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 the Seattle SuperSonics in there. Get the get, you want get the Vancouver Grizzlies back as well. Yeah, Vancouver Grizzlies. That's a 
little 90s throwback. Um, but yeah, no, great. It was it was an awesome, awesome experience um, to see Seattle Kraken game. And that is my experience at the Seattle Kraken game. The first and probably only Puck House Live game. All right, so I know earlier in the episode we had a good talk about my experience at the Seattle Kraken game last week that I went to. Uh, so we had a good chat about that, but we're actually going to do another little story time here because the World Juniors have been on the last 10 days, just wrapped up today. And it's a big, it's a, it's a big tournament. It's really taken on... A life of its own from just a little little tournament to like it's huge now and it's a huge part of the holidays in Canada it's a huge Christmas Christmas holiday tradition in Canada to watch the world junior the to watch the world junior games um, so a lot of people wonder you know what's it like actually going to the tournament seeing it live a lot of people wonder that. Um, and I'm actually going to, because I have actually been to the World Juniors five years ago, actually. So I'm going to share a little story time about my experience at the World Juniors back in 2019. I'm going to take you back. Take you back to 2019. The World Juniors this year were held in Vancouver and Victoria. So, went down for the tournament, um, stayed the full, full 10 days of the tournament, literally left, like, the morning, literally left the morning of the tournament, like, had Christmas and all that, and then woke up early, and we got to Vancouver. So, we got there, because it was Boxing Day, and actually the first game, I think the first game... I believe we missed some of the first game because checking into the hotel and, you know, dropping off our bags, things like that just kind of hung us up a little bit. But I think we got in maybe mid-first period, I want to say. Um, zero, zero, it was a game between Czechia. Well, it was Czech Republic, but Czechia, Switzerland. So that kicked off the tournament. Uh Czechia actually won the Czech Republic. I'm so used to saying Czechia. Czech Republic won that game 2-1. to one. Switzerland actually got the first goal, but then Czech Republic won it in overtime. And then the big game that night, because really the tournament, I mean the Canada games, Canada games are just a whole different level. Like the first game, because I'm looking on Wikipedia right now, it says attendance was 9,200. Compare that to the Canada game that evening, 16,000. It was a sea of red in in Rogers Arena. So by the way, I went to all the, I want to make it clear, I went to all of the Vancouver games. So none of the Victoria games in the Group B there, none of the Save on Foods Memorial Center went to the games in Vancouver because what you want to see Canada. But my understanding, Victoria, great games there. There was there was some great games. Kazakhstan became 
big fan favorite in Victoria. I remember that. Sweden, U.S., Finland. It's like, you had a good group. Yeah, if you were in Victoria for those, for the World Juniors, you got some great games. You got some great games there. But but we wanted to see Canada. That was that was why we, we were there. We were hoping to see on January 5th. Our hope was that Canada was going to win the gold medal. That's what we were hoping. And Canada got off to a hot start. They beat Denmark 14 to nothing. I remember that game. Don't Stop the Party was the goal song for Canada. And it was just played on repeat, repeat, repeat. I could hear it in my sleep. Like as I was as I was sleeping that first night, I could hear it in, in my head. Just because you heard it over and over and over again. But Morgan Frost got a hat trick. Maxime Comtois scored four goals, four goals for Canada that night. It's one of the only four-goal games, I believe. There's like maybe six or seven four-goal games um, by Team Canada players. Uh, Maxime Comtois is one of them. So I saw I saw that Morgan Fr the Morgan Frost hat trick. I actually think I remember I'm trying to think. No, no, never mind. Um, but no, Morgan Frost got a hat trick. Maxime Comtois scored four goals. Yeah, it was a great, great game. You know, I mean, Denmark, it was Canada-Denmark. So, I mean, everyone was expecting Canada to stomp over them pretty easily. Um, which I'll, I'll kind of talk about Denmark because they kind of progressed through the tournament. Russia beat Denmark 4 nothing. First game, the second day. And then it was Canada-Switzerland that evening. 17,000 showed up to that game. Looking at it, it was around like 10,000 for the 10,000 for Russia, Denmark, and then 17,000 for Canada, Switzerland. Uh, Canada won that game three to two. It was a pretty close game. Ian Scott was a net. I think that was the only game Ian Scott played in that tournament. Former Prince Albert Raider. Um, Cody Glass, Cody Glass, actually, I, I think you'll see, he got a couple, like, early goals in the games. Um, yeah, Canada took an early lead. Switzerland tied it up 1-1. And then Canada made it 3-1 by the end of the second period. Switzerland pulled within one late in the third. They could not get the tying goal. Canada won that game three to two, and then it was a gr and then it was one game on the third day. It was Russia Czech Republic that had an attendance of about fourteen thousand. Russia pulled out and pulled out a two to one victory. And then day four was Switzerland Denmark to start the day. Ten thousand showed up to that game. Switzerland won that game. Four to nothing and Canada Czech Republic in the even, evening 17,000 showed up to that it was just a whole different you know the other games were exciting like you know they it was some good hockey like it was some really good hockey um but the Canada games were just a whole different level sea of red it was it was it was great and I mean yeah, I just remember, yeah, okay, so 
That game, the Canada-Czech Republic game, Canada won that game 5-1. to one. So They moved to 3-0 in the tournament. They are, they are progressing pretty well. Uh, one thing I actually really remember from that game, yeah, Alexi Lafreniere. Alexi Lafreniere scoring in that game. That was the one Canada goal I really, like, remember. That really is stuck in my head because I remember – watching him like it was at the it was still that time where it's like this guy's gonna be like the next great french canadian superstar like that's that's at the time that's what everybody kind of thought and i mean he still has a chance to develop into a great a great forward he's he's shown flashes this season um but i remember what and i and he was like he was like 16 or something in that tournament and you know what? He, he he held his own in that tournament. He held his own. And Lafreniere scoring. I remember that. That that's the one goal that's really always stuck with me. Lafreniere. And I've always, you know, a lot of these guys from that Canada team, I I've always liked to follow their careers, you know. Considering saw them at the tournament or any of the other uh, on the other teams, U.S., Finland, any of those teams, we saw any of those guys play. You know, I like to follow where they're at now. That's the one. That's the one thing I like about this tournament. You get to see the future superstars, the future superstars of the NHL, as close as you get to a best on best tournament. There's one game I really want to highlight too, in particular. It was the next night. Uh, day five only had one game, and this was Russia Switzerland. And I want to talk about this because something I've never seen, ne something I've never seen before. Actually, so Switzerland got out to like a really early lead. They were actually up three-one early in the second. Russia tied it up at three-three. And then one of the most bizarre sequences you'll ever see, it was, oh, what's his name? Was it Kurashev? Kurash no, it was Lehman. It might have been Lehman. Yeah, it might have been like Lehman, I think, or Kurashev, someone like that. But, oh, yeah, it was Lehman. Okay, Lehman. So... Lehman, the Swiss guy, he goes in on a breakaway. He's actually looking for his hat trick right now. He's had two in the game. He gets tripped by the Russian player right at the blue line. He gets up. So the ref has already put his arm up for a penalty. So he continues going in on his breakaway, and he gets taken down a second time. So the ref calls a penalty shot and a penalty. So, Lehman went in for his penalty shot, and he kind of, I think I remember, if I remember correctly, he lost the puck. So, I remember he kind of had his, like, ha hands on his head, like, oh, my gosh. But that penalty, they called two penalty shots, something I've never seen before and never seen after. They called two penalty shots on the same play i've never seen that before so 
never got never Swiss got because how it works that year. If you got a penalty shot, any player can on the team can take it, and keep that in mind because that actually plays an important role later on in the tournament when I'm going to continue talking about. But so they had another guy. I think Kurashev. Kurashev was the other guy. He went in on the second penalty shot, missed the net. Two penalty shots, they didn't get a shot on net, and Russia ended up winning that game 7-4. to four. That Swiss team, though, that Swiss team, though, was quite fun to follow, and their coach, their coach was quite a, quite a personality. His comments, 2018, he made some very interesting comments at the Vancouver tournament. Um, yeah, New Year's Eve... Uh, Czech Republic, Denmark. Czech Republic beat Denmark 4-0. Denmark had not scored a goal the whole round robin. It became it became kind of a joke amongst, like, because, you know, you sit, because we had seat, our same seats every game. So we, we became friends with the people sitting around us, and it kind of became a joke amongst amongst all of us about Denmark and their goal song. It was, will, will we ever hear what their goal song is? Will we ever know what their goal song is? Because they hadn't scored the whole tournament. Um, but then this was the big game. New Year's Eve, 5 o'clock Vancouver time, Russia, Canada. This was the big one. This was to decide Group A. And Cody Glass, Cody Glass, uh, second time in the tournament, gets an early goal to make it one nothing. Cody Glass, former Portland Winterhawk. Russia tied it up pretty quickly, 1-1. It's like, ooh, we got a hockey game. And honestly, I thought it was going to be a pretty high-scoring duel between the two teams. And Canada had their chances, but they could not score. And then mid-third period... Uh, Russia took the lead 2-1. to one. Canada could not tie it back up. Russia won the group. And Canada was going to play Finland in the quarterfinals. And when that result happened, you know, like I, I was quite nervous about the quarterfinal game against Finland. Because Russia now has to go play Slovakia. And Slovakia is not a pushover, don't get me wrong, but compared to Finland, like, Finland's a much better team than Slovakia that year. So, definitely, like, you know, you quite, you really want to see Canada make it, because if Canada makes it to the semifinals, they're playing on the final day, for sure. So... I was quite nerv I was quite nervous going into the quarterfinals. Um, so the first game, it and that was the then no, it was the relegation because then the relegation between Denmark and Kazakhstan. So I actually went to the, those two games as well. Very empty in the arena. It was like well, these games were at like nine a.m. Like it was like it was like really early, but. We got up, though, and watched them, and there was, like, only 4,000 fans in the arena for both games. And Denmark, we got to see Denmark score, which was actually, 
and we got to hear their goal song, which was nice. But Kazakhstan, even compared to Denmark, Kazakhstan was far and away the better team. Kazakhstan had an epic goal song, Sweet Caroline. Oh, it was awesome. So, yeah, good good memories. Good memories. Um, but no, and then the quarterfinals... As we are going to the rink for the big Canada-Finland quarterfinals, word gets out about the result in Victoria. Switzerland had upset Sweden 2 to nothing. Now, when we heard this result, it was like, holy cow. Like, it was just like, we, we were stunned because we, we watched the Switzerland team play like the last week and Switzerland team was decent. They showed, they showed signs of, you know, they show, they showed flashes, you know, like of what, you know, but none of us thought they were going to beat Sweden. Sweden won the group in, uh, in Victoria. So we were just shocked by this result. And this changes everything because now it's, Switzerland, yeah. So, the winner, the winner of Canada versus the winner of Canada versus Finland will face Switzerland in the semifinal. So it really felt like whoever. I mean, Switzerland was not a pushover, but you had to think the winner of the Canada or Finland game was going to the gold medal game. You had to think. So, went to the game, Canada-Finland game, scoreless through the first. It was a tight game, really tight back-and-forth game, really great goaltending duel. Ukupeka Lukanen in net for Finland and Michael DiPietro. And then Ian Mitchell opened the scoring 1-0 for Canada. Uh, place was going nuts, 17,000 in that, in that arena. So yeah, I mean, it's one, nothing things are going, things are going quite well. It's one, nothing. Um, we're getting like, and then it was like late in the second period. Michael DiPietro was just making save after save. Like he was making some amazing saves. And the Vancouver fans, and by the way, Michael DiPietro, he was a Canucks prospect at the time. The fans in the arena started chanting, DiPietro, DiPietro. So, yeah, I just remember that, the chants. And we're getting into the third period, and it's still one nothing. And here's the thing. Canada had chances. Canada had their chances to add on to the lead, but they just could not add on to the lead. And it stayed one nothing. And I I was quite honestly, we're getting to the final. Okay, ten minutes. Eight minutes. Okay, now there's five minutes left. Still one nothing. I was quite nervous in a in a one-nothing game. It just seemed to me. It just seemed to me that it'd be weird if Canada won by a score of one to nothing. It just seemed weird. I thought 
Canada's Canada's kind of got to get another one. I wouldn't say I wouldn't say they were necessary. It wasn't like they weren't trying to add on to the lead. They were trying to add on to the lead, but they just couldn't. But Di Pietro kept kept Canada's lead. Di Pietro stood on his head all game, and then final two minutes, the goalie is pulled for Finland. Ukapekalukinen is out of his net. Um, again, down. To the final 60 seconds. I actually remember too. Canada had a chance with the empty net. But I think it was all I think one of the guys was offside, so couldn't get the shot off. But final 60 seconds, it was Tolvanen, Finnish guy. He's now playing actually for the Seattle Kraken, funny enough. He comes in. And he goes right behind the goal line. And he just kinda he just kind of fires it and it hits Hepanyemi's skate and hits the top of Di Pietro's stick and and goes like under Di Pietro's like arm and into the net with 46 seconds left. Like, that building just turned silent. Like, it like there, it was unbelievable. Like, everyone was wondering how the heck that puck went into the net. One of the unluckiest breaks I, I've ever seen. One of the unluckiest breaks I've ever seen. Just a brutal, brutal break in the final minute. Di Pietro... Stood on his head all game, and then that goes in. In the final minute, nothing Di Pietro could do. Nothing any of the guys could do there. It was just the worst, worst possible luck there. And I just, Di Pietro's face, he was stunned. He couldn't, he couldn't believe it got by him. And then we go into overtime now, tied 1-1. And oh my gosh, I'm I'm so nervous because if Canada if Canada loses this game, they're out. They're out of the tournament. It's not like we're playing for a medal anymore. At least if they make it to the semifinals and lose there, they still play in the bronze medal game. So at least it's like they haven't they're playing on the final day. But if they lose they're out. So, and going into this tournament, Canada had meddled at every single tournament on home soil. So, had to kind of keep that streak alive. So, overtime starts, and I'm trying to think who it was. Was it? Was it? Might have been Bouchard. I want to say. I want to say it was Evan Bouchard. I believe. In on a breakaway. He gets in on a breakaway. He steals the puck from the finished player. First minute of overtime. And he, he kind of gets his stick kind of chopped out of his hands. In on the breakaway. The ref calls a penalty shot. The ref calls a penalty shot. Canada gets a penalty shot in overtime. With a chance to send Canada to the semi-finals. So, place was going just nuts. And just such a pressure, pressure-packed moment there. 
who's now the question is because remember anyone can take the penalty shot who's gonna take the penalty shot for Canada so you got a couple options you can go with Cody Glass Owen Tippett Morgan Frost Tim Hunter the head coach goes Max let's go and Maxime Comtois by the way the captain they had the he had the captain the captain Maxime Comtois go out and take the penalty shot now Maxime Comtois he drew he drew quite a bit of like you know he wasn't the most popular captain already among amongst Canadians world juniors captain he had taken quite a few diving penalties and I didn't really I wasn't really like too much a fan of some some of those but you know I, I didn't I, I liked him you know he he scored goals you know he he got the job done so when Comtois jumped over the bench I was quite excited to see Comtois take the shot and you know what having the captain go out there take the shot for Canada um yeah I was like okay here we go Maxi I actually I still have the video on my phone actually that I captured from the penalty shot Maxime Comtois comes in and he tries to go kind of five hole on Ukapekalukanen and Ukapekalukanen saves it and over and we play on in overtime and when that penalty shot was missed you had a feeling you had this just terrible feeling that Canada was going to get knocked out. You just had this terrible, terrible feeling. You get this feel like when you watch enough hockey games, you know kind of how momentum shifts. You had a feeling inside. You really, you, you had a feeling. You, I was trying to stay positive, but I, I kind of had a feeling. Um, and then, okay, Canada has a three on two here. Great chance for Canada. I forget who it was, made a great pass. It was a great pass right to Noah Dobson. He has a wide open net staring right at him. If he if he scores here, Canada is off to the semis. He has a wide open net. All he needs to do is just one timer in and, and his stick breaks. His stick breaks. At the worst possible time, his stick breaks. Now Finland goes the other way right after that they pick up the puck odd man rush for Finland boom top right corner Finland scores Canada is out that is how Canada exited the tournament it was a long walk back to the hotel after that game that was a De devastating 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 loss um yeah that was just that 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 hurt that was that was such a tough loss to see and here was the worst part about it too the night was not done right after the game we had to go right back to the arena and watch russia slovakia right after that canada finland game 
and we we saw Russia just absolutely blow out Slovakia. We actually left after the second period because it was kind of like, you know, like it was just like we were just kind of like we were done. We were done that night. It was just uh, like it just it it hurt. It hurt. That was a brutal, brutal, brutal loss to witness for Canada. And the really unfortunate thing was you saw tournament attendance suffer quite a bit from it. One thing that nobody, no, one thing that nobody would have seen on TV was how many people were outside the arena all along the block selling their tickets, trying to sell their tickets. Because yeah, you're expecting Canada is going to be in the gold medal game. And now Canada, Canada's not in it, so people are selling their tickets. I, I think some people, some people went home too. Some people just said, you, you know, some people who came in for the tournament, some people went home. And you know what? It, it's a real shame because it was some great hockey near the end of the tournament too. Because then the semifinals, U.S. Russia was a tight game. I remember too. There were two people dressed as Trump and Putin, which was quite amusing. U.S. narrowly won that game two to one, and then Finland smoked Switzerland in the other semifinal six to one. I've always thought about what would happen if Canada, if Comtois scored on that penalty shot. If Dobson's stick didn't break, I've replayed it a ton in my head. Thought, what if, what if? And I'm going to tell you right now, that Canada team, it was, a, it was a Canada team that deserved better. But that I don't think that Canada team was winning gold, if, I, if I'm going to be honest. I think the U.S. would have beaten Canada in the gold medal game. That's that's my that's my opinion, but it's it's just too bad because really you could have had so many things could have gone differently. Canada could have you know maybe buried on a power play or two in the New Year's Eve game, won won that game. You played played Slovakia instead and would have probably probably won it pretty handily, just like Russia did against Slovakia. But yeah, it just yeah that that hurts, and then everything that happened, all the bad breaks that happened against Canada and the Canada Finland game, yeah, it just yeah. But that that's my thing. I don't think Canada would have won gold, but it, it, it's too bad they didn't make it to the gold medal game because because Rogers Arena would have been just packed. It would have been it would have been awesome, but. You could see attendance suffer too. Like the semifinals was about fourteen thousand people for those games. Attendance took a dip. Um, the bronze medal game had about twelve thousand people. Russia beat Switzerland. Uh, Russia Russia won. Yeah, Russia won five to two. Uh, Switzerland Switzerland was fun to watch. We were we were cheering for Switzerland that game. When they made it 3-2 late in the second, you know, we thought there might be a chance that Switzerland could tie it up. We we were quite excited about that, but no, Russia pulled away and Russia won that game 5-2. But the gold medal game, there's 17,000 in attendance for that, so it was good attendance for that game at least. 
Uh, Finland jumped out to a 2-0 lead. Uh, it was a great, great third period. U.S. Uh, scored two goals in two minutes to tie it up at 2-2. Uh, and then we're getting down to the final two minutes. And there is Capo Caco with a minute 26 left to, to win the game, win the gold medal for Finland. It was just... It was just such an experience, you know, like I highly recommend if you ever get the chance to go to a World Juniors, do it. It was such an experience. And honestly, I, I think it would even like I, I have so many great memories from going to those games. I can't even imagine all the memories I would have if Canada was like in the gold medal, won the gold medal game, you know, um, but so, I mean, it's obviously Canada is a really good team. It's a lot of fun. Canada wins the gold medal, especially in Canada. Like, go to the tournament in Canada. It's just, it's such an experience. Although now I know it's a lot harder to get tickets because before, yeah, before, like, we never had to do any sort of, like, lottery to, but now I know for the Ottawa tournament, Fans have to get into, like, a lottery if they want to get tickets. And it's like, yeah, it's I don't know how many of those people who get go in the lottery don't get tickets. But there was never any sort of lottery a few years back. But now they have that in now. But I highly recommend going to the World Juniors. If you get a chance, it is great hockey. You see some of the games future stars uh quite a lot of stars at that tournament uh nick suzuki was in that tournament he was on canada you had the hughes brothers for us you had some great players great great players i highly recommend if you ever get the chance go to the world juniors if you get if you ever get a chance it is such it is such a fun fun tournament Fun, filled, filled. You get so much hockey in ten days. You get filled with so much hockey in ten days. Uh, it's a lot of you know, going, going to a game in the afternoon, getting a quick bite to eat, and then going right back to the rink. You're going. You're seeing at least like two games a day. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun though. I highly, I highly recommend it. And that is my story. Oh, holy cow, I talked for 34 minutes. I, I didn't even realize, I, had, I didn't even look at the time, but I talked for 34 minutes. I had no idea. But that is my experience at the World Juniors. All right, so there was news that came out this past week while the World Juniors were going on about the host of the 2026 World Juniors, which will be, which we already knew was going to be played in the United States. So they have chosen Minneapolis and St. Paul Twin Cities to be the host of the 2026 World Juniors. And I think, I think Minnesota, they're going to do a great job with that tournament you know minnesota big hockey state in minnesota and you know what relatively accessible to people in 
like eastern Manitoba and like western Ontario, Winnipeg, Thunder Bay. It's within, you know, decent driving distance, I guess, like five, six hours, five, six, seven hours if you're from one of those two cities. So, I mean, I think they're going to do a great job. And you want the people of Minnesota, I think they will turn, they, they will turn up to that tournament. However, I have a specific, there was a specific bid that really caught my eye and I really think USA hockey in 2030 2030 is the next time that the United States are going to host the world juniors this is a bid I really think that that should host the 2030 world juniors and that is the bid of Seattle and Everett um Seattle and Everett that was the bid that really caught my eye. I really think, I really believe if it gets hosted in Seattle and Everett, they are going to do a fantastic job. So I'm going to present my case right now for Seattle and Everett hosting the 2030 World Juniors. I actually initially started crafting this up while it was still kind of unknown who was going to host the 2026 World Juniors, but uh, yeah, the case for Seattle and Everett to host the 2030 World Juniors. I have a couple reasons here. First off, very close I'm, and a big reason. This is always a huge factor in hosting, like who's going to host the World Juniors in the United States. At the end of the day, the World Juniors is a huge tournament in Canada. You cannot ignore that. So, big priority is to is to go close to the Canadian border to give Canadians you know to give Canadians access you know very close to the Canadian border so Canadian fans can come down and watch the tournament you know very accessible to Canadians that is a huge part of the criteria for hosting uh, the world juniors in the states and Seattle's got that covered uh, Seattle, it's pretty close, pretty close to Vancouver. I'm actually going to look up here, Vancouver to Seattle, because it's not that far, like Vancouver, and then it's like the border, and then it's like Bellingham, Vancouver to Seattle. That's actually a little bit longer than I thought, three hours and eight minutes, but I guess, I mean, I don't know if that factors into the border, crossing the border. That might be that might be a factor in it too, because yeah, crossing the border can be. But the point is, like, you have a huge one of the biggest uh, Canadian cities, only three hours away from Seattle. So very very accessible drive for Western Canadians, Vancouver, and not only that, a lot of people in British Columbia or Western Canada, even even Alberta, like you know. Um, would make the drive down to go see go see the tournament and yes go down to Seattle and Climate Pledge Arena I can also say this because just got back from there Climate P Pledge Arena an amazing amazing arena I already touched on I already touched on that amazing modern arena they would make a great host venue main venue for the tournament um, yeah about 18,000 seats, I believe. 17, 18,000 seats. Great size. And yeah, you need kind of an NHL arena, I think, to host the main 
main group games. So, yeah, that's what for the for the Canada. Yeah, Canada games. Um, yeah, because Canadians are gonna make their way down there. Canadians are gonna fill that arena for Sea of Red. Uh, and I mean, I Everett Everett is the other venue um, that was in the bid. Everett would make a fantastic Group B host. They hosted USA Hockey's training camp for the 2019 World Juniors, and they see 8,000 people. Great size for a Group B venue. And it's only 40 minutes away from Climate Pledge Arena, between the two arenas. So the travel days on the first and the third to get, like, for quarterfinal days... Um, yeah, it'd be pretty easy to get back and forth. So, f yeah, pretty close in distance between the two arenas. And, you know, Washington, they are a junior hockey state. With the addition of the Wenatchee Wilds, Washington is home to five WHL teams. So you got, so you got lots of junior hockey supporters in the state of Washington. And I'm sure, you know, you know what, they got, yeah, they got a lot of fans down there, a lot of junior hockey fans in Washington. They, they'll turn up, they'll turn up. I know, I know a lot of fans, the Everett Silvertips fans, they would definitely, you know, get tickets to see, see the World Juniors. And you got to think in the area, there's got to be, there would be a couple guys from, what from those five teams who would be playing in the world juniors so for them it's like hey we got to go watch our our guys you know in the world juniors so yeah i think everett would make a yeah everett make great group b host you know lots of junior hockey supporters from the state of washington and you know what recently because now in like the hosting cycle usa has also only hosted it or is only going to host it twice since 2018, 2026, and 2030. And there's after 2032, it's kind of unknown about host countries. But, and a big reason for that was the underwhelming attendance of the 2018 World Juniors in Buffalo. Now, here's the thing Buffalo hosted it in 2011, and then they hosted it. In 2018 only seven years later there's not really I think I, I think because it was two two world juniors hosted too close together in the same city I don't really think there was much of a I guess craving in the area for another world juniors tournament I mean Canadian fans went down for the finals and I know the the outdoor, I gotta say, the outdoor game, though, was pretty cool. I gotta say. The outdoor game in Buffalo, that tournament, uh, what's it called? Is it, what do they call it now? It's like Ralph, Ralph Wilson Stadium, I think, or something like that. Something like that. Uh, but it's the, it, the Buffalo Bills Stadium, NFL's Buffalo Bills. But it was quite, overall, it was kind of underwhelming in attendance. Yeah, there, there was just... And also, there's not really much of a junior hockey connection, I don't think, in Buffalo. And not only that, Pacific Northwest, there is a craving, I think, for another World Juniors tournament. Um, you know, and there's there's the junior hockey connection. There's, you know, 
Western Hockey League, um, there's a lot of five teams, like I said, five WHL teams in the state of Washington. So definitely, definitely a big junior hockey connection. And I think there is a craving. And I think especially the way the 2019 World Juniors ended with Canada's early exit when that was hosted in Vancouver. Yeah, I think the 2019 World Juniors left people in British Columbia, especially wanting more, you know, with Canada's early exit. So to have have a tournament close by, I think British Columbia would be huge on that, would pounce all over that, I think. And you know what? Lots of people in Washington, too, are going to pounce on it. I think it would be a very, very successful tournament down there down there in Seattle and Everett and that is my case that is my case I rest my case for Seattle and Everett to host the 2030 World Juniors all right so I talked about how I I presented my case for Seattle and Everett to host the 2030 World Juniors and when I was doing that it got me thinking what could be the next few North American hosts of this tournament because really you got to think there's sort of a sort of I guess there's not like because now the tournament is at a point where you need to have an NHL sized arena so you're definitely sort of limited but I, I have put together 10 different I, I believe I put five from Canada, five from the United States that I think could host the tournament down the line in the future because I believe the cycle, because it's going to go Ottawa 2025, Minneapolis-St. Paul, Twin Cities, as we learned, 2026. Then I believe it comes back to Canada 2027. It's going off to Europe in 2028, and then it's coming back to Canada in 2029 i believe canada's hosting it every other year i believe i believe that's how they're doing it until like 2034 or something like that so which which makes sense because canada is just you know this tournament it's such a huge tournament in canada but so here is what i think are going to be the next 10 north american world juniors hosts I put Seattle and Everett down. I already talked about Seattle and Everett a little bit. Hoping 2030, that's going to be the year for them. I already talked about it earlier. Uh, for Canada, the first one I have on here, I really don't I really don't know if I put it in any particular order. It's just kind of what came to my mind, I guess. Uh, I put down Winnipeg and Brandon. They haven't hosted it since 1999. And now Winnipeg has the new arena, Bell MTS Place. I think uh, Province of Manitoba will really get behind that tournament, and Brandon would make a great Group B venue. Uh, I also have, uh, next one I have for the United States, and Double IHF, they were considering this, and I believe it was down to the Twin Cities and this bid. And that is Las Vegas. Las Vegas and Henderson, um, which kind of surprised me. But I do think the IIHF will take 
the gamble, I guess. The gamble, just like in Vegas, you know, gambling. Take the gamble and host a World Juniors down there in Vegas. I think, you know what, probably there'll be lots of Canadian tourists who will make the trip down to Vegas to attend that tournament. So, yeah, I put that down. That would be interesting, though. I don't know. I don't know if it would really, though, it'd be kind of weird, like, it's the holidays, like you think of it, it's like, oh, but you know, and then, then Canada versus USA. And it's like beautiful sunny day here in Las Vegas, you know, like, I, I don't know, it'd be kind of weird, but I do think they're going to do that at some point down the line. It'd be interesting though. I'd, I'd, I'd be interested to see it happen. Uh, next one I have for Canada listed here is Saskatoon and Regina. They last hosted the tournament in 2010. You gotta think now, not hosting. There wouldn't be another Canada host till that be named host, because like Ottawa's hosting 2025. The next one, next bid, like next opportunity to host it be 2027. That's 17 years between tournaments. You gotta think down the line, they're gonna give it to Saskatoon and Regina again. Because, yeah, because like I said, Canada, there's only so many venues that can host it, that are able to host it, because you need an NHL-sized arena. And there are, what, like seven, seven Canadian teams? Seven Canadian teams. And there's two... And Saskatoon is not an NHL... Does not have an NHL team, but they have a massive... 16, I believe 16,000 seats, I believe. If I'm correct, saying like that, 15, 16,000 seats, it's a big arena. So Saskatoon and Regina, uh, Brant Center would make a great Group B venue. Uh, one I have here, I actually had, I actually had this one because I started doing this too before Minneapolis Twin Cities were named the host 2026 World Juniors. I initially had St. Louis and Minneapolis. But now I just I have just have St. Louis here. St. Louis, uh, I think that I think they're eyeing this tournament to host it down the line. Uh, I think St. Louis Enterprise Center would be a great venue. I'm not sure about a Group B venue, but I think I think there'd be some place where they'd be able to do it. So I put down St. Louis. Uh, number one I have here, next one for Canada, I have Halifax and Moncton. They hosted the, they just hosted 2023 World Juniors, and they are already eyeing to host another one. That tournament was a big success, and I think they're gonna, they want to host it again. And host it, like, be able to plan it kind of properly, because it was kind of last minute they had to host it. Like, they literally learned they were gonna host it in, like... May, I want to say, like April, May, and then they had to host it in December, so it was a bit rushed for them, I guess, so to be able to plan it out more thoroughly, I think I think they want to do that. So, yeah, at some point, Halifax and Moncton will probably get it. I wouldn't expect any time, any time in this decade, but 2030s, I could see, I could see Halifax and Moncton getting it again. Uh, next one I have for the U.S., I have Detroit and Saginaw. And I have a little interesting possible Group B host as well. Maybe Windsor. Detroit and Windsor. 
have U.S. and Canada, I guess, co-host it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how that would work out. But have Windsor as a Group B venue for the tournament. Detroit and Windsor are pretty close to one another. So, but I also have I had Detroit and Saginaw though. Saginaw, they got a nice arena there. They are hosting the Memorial Cup this upcoming year. So Detroit and Saginaw, and again, close to the Canadian border. And that is huge criteria, huge criteria for hosting the World Juniors down in the States. And I definitely factored that into with most of these U.S. hosts. Uh, next one I have for Canada is Calgary and Red Deer. I have Calgary and Red Deer because Calgary, they are going to get their new arena in a few years. And I think once they get that, new arena they will probably i think they are going to go after a world juniors last hosted a world juniors in 2012 they co-hosted it with edmonton so i think calgary and i have red deer because red deer i feel kind of got they were the ones they were the big losers i feel from the 2022 world juniors they were going to co-host it with Edmonton in 2021, and then COVID happened, and then they went to the bubble in Edmonton. So Red Deer did not get any games in the 2021 World Juniors. Okay, and then so they give the 2022 World Juniors to, Edmund, to Edmonton and Red Deer. So then fans there can actually go and watch the games. And then four days in, because of multiple positive tests of COVID tournament is canceled and then they decide we are going to do the summer world juniors now we're going to we're going to reschedule the tournament to the summer but they only hosted the games in Edmonton so Red Deer got left out kind of of everything there so Red Deer did not really get like you know that was their opportunity to host some world juniors games and they kind of they kind of were the big losers of that whole whole interesting interesting time that whole debacle so i think red deer should be the, should be the group b host although i think medicine hat could be a good or even leftbridge maybe but i think i think the front runner for group b host would probably be Red Deer and Calgary, yeah. Once they get their new arena, I think I think that would they would do a great job of hosting the World Juniors. Uh, the next one, the final one I have for the U.S. I have Chicago. I think Chicago, especially now, Chicago has Connor Bedard. I think at some point they might, you know, I hosting a World Juniors in Chicago. I th I think they would do a good job. So I have Chicago as a possible World Juniors host down the States. Although I, I think that'd be more down the line. I think there's I think there's a couple that would that would host it first before Chicago gets it. And the final one I have for Canada, I I never I never realized Quebec City hasn't really hosted a World Juniors. I think they I think they hosted one, but it was like in the 70s. Host one in Quebec City. They have the Videotron Center. And you know what? You have the QMJHL. 
there could be I don't I didn't exactly pick a group B host but I'm sure you can find arena either in or even could you do you might do Quebec no I don't know I don't know if you do Quebec City and Montreal I don't know or or if you would do yeah I'm not exactly sure but you know what I think Quebec City should get a world juniors at some point not sure when that would happen I I would hope you know like sometime soon Quebec City might get it there's a lot of you know French Canadians who would go to the tournament pack that arena I think it'd be a great atmosphere at the tournament so yeah I have Quebec City as my final my 10th 10th and final uh, I guess list I have here of possible host cities for the world juniors in North America. And that'll do it for this world junior special episode of the puck house podcast. If you want to get updates on the podcast, as well as get some bonus content, you can follow the puck house over on Instagram, Twitter, X, YouTube, and TikTok. And until next time, goodbye.